Anyway, so we're back. Um, yeah, man, that that environment is by far like the best environment I've been in as far as um, just energy, mm-hmm. you know, which is actually like has nothing to do with it. Same, same, but different. Um, and I know you're a fan of this. Bad Bunny at WWE. Please. How much we're only supposed to be talking here for about a half hour, 45 minutes tonight. So you better be careful what you get started. Well, so, that moment was, I mean, I sent that to you. I sent that. I was just like flabbergasted by that moment. So before you sent it to me, I saw it and, you know, I don't really pay attention to WWE anymore, but like I have this fascination with the power of crowds, mm-hmm. right? Cause it can go wrong and go right. It, it can be mm-hmm. just electric. It can be energy. Um, but I often wonder, like, as somebody who's been in front of a couple of, like, small crowds, right? What the fuck kind of power that has to be? Yep. yep. To, because you're wielding a, you're wielding an instrument at that part. Absolutely. That, right? Those people are just, will do whatever. I saw it this past Friday when we were at, I mean, not to, not to hijack this. We were in Kentucky this Friday and we went to SmackDown. And uh, it was with Roman Reigns, the dude who's the current champ there, who's just the hottest shit ever and is just incredible. Like, I'm not even a mark. I mean, maybe I'm, I might be a mark for him at this point. But, like, the dude is doing some of the best work. I will say, here, this is on, this is being recorded. I will say that the work he's doing is as good, if not potentially better, than the peak of, like, the Attitude Era, like, Stone Cold and Rock stuff. The reason why I look, I said it. The reason I love wrestling still is because I think it is the purest example of how you are. You have no choice but to tell a story through something other than just words. And the fact of watching these people pull this off combined with the physical feat is just it's it's purely fascinating to me. And I love it so much. And this last Friday, not to do all this and whatever, but people go look it up. It was an instrumental moment in this current storyline that's being told. And there was a moment that happened in it where I won't hijack this with talking about it, but there was a moment in it that was a huge turn in the story that's been going on. And the the energy in that arena was that Rupp Arena in Kentucky felt like it was literally going to like fucking explode. Like people were just it was it was just insane. Like my kids even like Izzy is totally in the bag for wrestling. Sophie's into it, but like kind of just participatory because she knows I think it's fun. But both of them were like losing their minds at like what was happening. And I was like, oh, this is how this works is because you've now just captivated this type of thing. And the Bad Bunny thing. So the short version on that Bad Bunny grew up self-admitted love wrestling his entire life. Dude has obviously become a mega music star and he essentially went to WWE and, and because he's bad bunny was like, Hey, yo, like I'd like to play in your sandbox. And because they're smart, they were like, yeah, for sure. So they started integrating him a little bit back into stuff two WrestleManias ago, I think. And he every once in a while kind of shows up and just like does, and the dude can go like the dude's athletic too. But then he had, they did one of their like, he used to call them pay-per-views. Now they're called premium live events because pay-per-view is not a thing anymore. And they had one in Puerto Rico and he hosted it, which also meant that he was going to participate in it. And he was in the main event. And so his entrance music hits, I know you've seen it, but I recommend anybody go see it. Or maybe we can, ooh, can we do that thing where people are like, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, let's do that. that. Hell yeah. 
hell yeah. First Lincoln show notes is going to be to a wrestling entrance. But it's watching this dude who grew up a kid loving this thing come out as the headliner in a, I don't know, 25,000 people arena to his own music and just popping that crowd like nothing I've ever seen before. And that is what a great analogy to kind of that similar thing at Summerstrong, which was just like, it's kind of one of those moments where you're like, everybody is here for the same thing in this exact moment. Yeah. Like yeah. where everyone is here for what's happening right now. Yeah. And it's completely laser focused in on just this moment of this thing. I mean, do, when you pull that off. It's amazing. It's perfect. I mean, you, even if you don't know, you know, right. And you walk into Sornex and it's like a, a history of strength right there. Boom. You walk in and it's like, here's all this shit from being strong from a millennial ago. Right. Right. You go upstairs and there's the library of strength and then there's trophies and there's stuff, mm -hmm. you know, you can eat just whatever. Cool. Then it's like you say, you're there, you're there all weekend and you're just around strong people, like-minded individuals um, who also display strength in just the way they mm -hmm. look and everything else. And then hosted by one of the strongest powerlifters, right? Brian and Lily. Right. With dope music and everyone in essentially a glorified semicircle mm -hmm. deadlifting on, I think it's the Magnuson plates, the 100-pound silver plates. Oh, that was even better. I was like, I don't even know what those are, but those look incredible. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just fantastic. Um, but yeah, um, my quick two cents on Summer Strong this year, as always, I think it's fantastic. The speakers were really great. Um, Michael Easter and Stan Efforting for me were the two. Yeah. I don't want to say highlights because Jen Jones and um, Corliss were whew, yep. right especially as, as as a dad to two girls um yep. those two were super important to me um and also important to me to recognize what i don't always recognize right um but the michael easter one for me specifically selfishly what i need and want in my life that one was like yeah what can I, what more can I say? What more can I ask for? And then Stan Efforting is just, I mean, the dude just made me take like 7,000 pages of notes and mm -hmm. rethink. Do you know how it. many oranges I've eaten since then? I think all I eat is oranges. Dude. Ever since he talked about the orange satiation thing. Yeah. 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 Oranges have went up in my life as well after the show. Yeah. yeah we and should I'm, need to get sponsored by oranges. Yeah. Somebody. <laughs> Brought to you by little cuties. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> see about what it takes to get um what's your what's what is it? Uh in Florida, Natalie's. Yeah. They, they make the orange juice, the fucking delicious tangerine juice. You know, the like the Michael Easter thing too, right? And I was talking to him about this. Um, cause it's it's dead ass real. Like that book, Comfort Crisis, came into my kind of part of this ride and this journey right at a really great time the beginning of last year or i think the, the time dates all kind of run together but it came into my life right before we did the the first time we did the berryman hike and i was literally reading the part about Masogis when matt first brought that up 
Mm-hmm. And it just all clicked at such a unique moment that I just became just fixated on that book. Yeah. And I think it's such a, that book is such a masterclass in storytelling combined with um, knowledge sharing. I don't know if that's what I'm going for, but it's this blend of like telling a story and also giving you information. I think um, one of the magic tricks that Michael Easter does in his writing is he blends storytelling with anecdote and research. There you go. That's better. Anecdotes and research. Yep. You know, like, cause he'll tell you a, a thing and then he'll re- give you the research behind it, yep. which I think is the most powerful way to deliver things to people. Right. Cause yeah. we tell somebody an anecdote or a story and some people are in the bag already for a story. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And then some people are like, yeah, but mm-hmm. give me some cold, hard facts for that. Well, so that's also a testament to Summerstrong, right? Because that's what that was. It was a collection. The speakers were a collection of people who are anecdotal and people who were like data nerds. Mm-hmm. And and that's the beautiful thing. Like you said, like, you know, uh, Jen and Corliss, the stuff they talked about, that was a thing for me. Like when they started speaking, I was like, oh, shit, like we're this is we're doing some he- not heavy, but we're doing some like real talk here. Yeah, uh, it's not just like, here's how you improve your hinge. Like, yeah. that's cool. But also like, oh, we're talking life experiences. <laughs> And, and to be able to know, I don't know, I just, it's wild and it's fun to know that there's people there who are very much there to want to learn about how to improve their hinge that, that may have intentionally or unintentionally also taken away something from those speakers as well. Well, uh, is great. One of the things that I, I, I was, I was actually speaking about this weekend and this is no, trash talk to personal trainers but the in my world in my head the difference between i'll just say the strength and conditioning community and the training community meaning like personal trainers and stuff not that you can't be in both but anyways is that strength conditioning people at least the ones that i keep surrounding myself with are on some level like meathead philosophers Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I am continue continually amazed by the amount of people that I have conversations with that have read a book or something that is so left field, or they got to this point of view or theory or whatever from a book that has nothing to do with sets and reps, and just purely because I think it's really hard to start improving strength physique that whole world right like once you start doing that on that level and not just like look at my biceps but like mm-hmm. all of it it's really start it's really hard to not go well what about my brain mm-hmm. what about mm-hmm. my soul what about my you know the thing that makes me tick mm-hmm. and so then i think it's it's kind of, it's it's not always not everybody for it's not natural but it's really hard to be like let me let me not dive into these other realms. Mm-hmm. That's a part that's really fantastic for me, man. It's like, um, you know, some of the personal conversations and I won't, I won't go into a bunch of them, but I will just say like, I had a conversation with Derek Woodsky um, that was a highlight. 
and will remain a highlight for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, when we were all sitting there talking about like the crisis response thing. Yeah. 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 To, be, to be in relief is what I, how I, yep. how I process it. Um, so I think that's worth to talk about that for a minute. To be in relief. Like what, like what the concept of that conversation was without giving away too much of the bag. Yeah, so, no, I'll give, I'll give away the details from my end. Um, so, and you've heard me say that, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I, I share a idea or theory that most young men um, want to know if they have the thing. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the thing, meaning like when it comes to action, when it comes to crisis, when it comes to um, violence, that they want to know, do they have the thing? Can they respond in the way that they think they can or think that they want to? And so... You know, you, you navigate your life, go through all these things, and some guys never get to figure it out. I think some guys figure it out on a football field early. Like, I don't. I do. I have no interest. Some guys figure it out in a fucking dojo. Some guys figure it out in a boxing ring. And then there's guys who figure it out downrange on deployment, right? And, like, I have – we have a great friend in common who was really good at it, but he was like, this is not for me. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned – and feeling that I've had in reference to that is there's nothing bigger than the feeling of relief that you did your job mm -hmm. or that you responded in the way that you wanted to or were trained to. Right. It, it, with the context of even if it's a, for lack of a better word, bad situation. Yeah. Even bad, yeah. good, bad, and different right. doesn't even matter. What matters is like, um, like if you and I are, are, are in the car and we're driving down the highway and we watch a truck do 17 flips in front of us and we stop and get out and get ready to render aid, right? There's blood everywhere, glasses everywhere, fucking people are freaking out and they're not happy. You know, they've got some guy in the background is honking his horn because he's just trying to get to work. And my job and your job is to stay cool, calm, collected, and then make sure that that person is taken care of. And yeah. when it's done, the feeling is one of relief. It, it, it's not a feeling of like, fuck yeah. It's not a feeling of like, oh my God. It's not like none of that. It's all, to me, it's like, I did my job. Right. Right. And it's, um, and it's such a thing that I don't think most people have a frame of reference for that. I think, especially, you know, because of movies and, and, and TV shows, like, they often portray people as having some kind of guilt or, or um, even if we're doing the right thing, like we're, whether we're talking about shootings or medical or like whatever, they just always give people this like, Oh my God, the thing happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, and people are going to respond how they respond. But I, I truly believe a lot of times the way, reason why people respond and they have that belief is because they've seen it on TV and they've read about it. Like uh, there's a fantastic book, um, Colonel Grossman on killing and on combat. And he talks about it. He does a seminar about it. I don't know if that's been debunked by now, but I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> um, like I think the fact that so many people grow up with that as the mindset is why they things happen and then they feel like, well, I'm supposed to feel guilty. I'm right. supposed to feel like I didn't X right. when in all actuality, like, I think the real deal is like, you know, I did my job right. and I feel relief in doing that. And that, and that comes when you have 
you have to have an experience with something that has stakes. Yeah, so it has it has to have. So even if and that's why I think. Right. So it's it's interesting when following that line of thought. So, you know, I I found lifting late in life, but that's something that definitely has stakes when you're whether when you've got heavy weight on your back or heavy weight holding over your chest or whatever it is, there are stakes now involved in safety. This is what this is why I think it's important that people compete in right. things. So right. like this is literally the line for me because if you compete in a thing and it doesn't it does not translate one to one. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if you can put yourself in a situation where hyper focus and attention to detail with stakes being folks looking at you, but also danger, right? right. Having six hundred pounds on your back is fucking dangerous. Right. <laughs> Don't get it twisted because Instagram shows you nineteen year olds deadlifting or squatting that it's like it can fucking cripple you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um but I think those things matter and I think that your ability to do those things gives you it's like points on a video game or mm-hmm. or points on a like a scale and it's like how much stress can i handle yeah you're getting attribute points or you're getting like you know you're you're getting like a skill tree yeah like you're leveling up i think we talked about that another one it's like you're love and and so where i was going before is unbeknownst to me now finding this as an interest and a hobby that skill tree had been established and leveled up in what my first job and line of work was out of college mm working at this residential treatment center that involved physical altercations that involved physical interventions that involved me having to go sit in court and testify on what's going to happen with the lives of these kids who I'm doing therapy for. So I had an exposure to stakes and an exposure to this has impact. Um, and I, and I think about that. So that's why, you know, again, found it very late, but, and I, and I, and I think that was an interesting thing because it, it required me to find something that was only stakes for me to be able to really feel that type of kind of rush again. Because yeah. we were taught, we were talking about that. I was actually talking about it on one of the not dead yet life calls last Wednesday. Like I am um, in that job. I was essentially on call 24 seven and I would get calls at two in the morning on a Saturday because in the middle of the night, two kids got in a fight and one of them put another one's face through a fish tank. Mm. And I can pretend that when I got that call at two in the morning, that I was like, I got to go deal with this. That's not true. The reality was that I was like, oh, this is now it's it's time to snap into action. Yeah. Now it's time for me to perform and I get to roll down there and I get to help make things okay or do my job or whatever. But it's like, and we were talking about it in reference in the, in the group conversation to like, what's your bat signal and what's it mean when the, what's it mean when the bat signal goes up for you in terms of like, this is your moment. That's like, oh, this is my opportunity to step up or this is what my thing is. And I think moments like that require stakes. Yeah. Whether they're manufactured, which is cool through a sport or through whatever you do, skateboarding or whatever that has stake, like anything like that has stakes. But being able to feel that and find that is, I think, a really, you know, if we're going to talk about what are some of the, you know, the guidebook or the handbook things to being completely unreasonable, I think that's one of them is you got to have things in your life that have stakes, whether you, whether they're, whether they're a part of your life organically, 
or whether you go find them through hobbies and interests. 1000% agree. I think that, so like Tate Fletcher, um, has this thing he used to talk about quite often called like seek death. Mm. And he was like, whenever you would do something, you would want to seek death in it. Meaning like the stakes are so high that you have no choice, but to be focused. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the, one of the things that we've seen in 1612, not dead yet, that I find to be the most, one of the most brilliant things that I've known to be true, but never saw a way to do it was the Kindle sticks. Mm-hmm right because i as somebody who suffers from add adhd right i don't suffer Mm -hmm. i fucking relish it Um, you're born in the darkness yeah um we'll i won't go down that rabbit hole let's get started (laughs) um but no like and then taking people and and so for just just for shits and giggles so we had an exercise at an event where we got everybody got kendo sticks and they were all locked in, man. And they're fucking there. They got a mask on, they got the gloves and they got the kendo sticks and they're hitting each other for points. So well, here, let's do this real quick. Let's do a little more context. About 20 people yeah. who, show, who showed up knowing that they were going to do a thing that involved kendo stick fighting, but no further context than yeah. that. Other than just like, we're all going to show up and we're going to have a kendo stick fighting tournament. Yeah. And 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 the beauty of it, and sorry if I'm getting to where you're going, is that it was a thing that nobody had ever done before, in theory. Mm-hmm. That there was nobody who, it wasn't an event, it wasn't a sport, it wasn't a something that anybody had any type of like, oh, I've, done, I've been kendo stick fighting for 15 years. So it was an even playing ground, in theory, of a bunch, even though I think my years of using cardboard Christmas wrapping tubes as lightsabers kind of helped me get to the finals. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but there, there was a moment though of that shit. And when that, I remember when that got put in my hand and you've got the mask on and you've got people surrounding you, that's something different. Yep. Right there, right there with fucking bodies, nine foot tall, Icelandic self in front of me, holding a stick and me being like, I have no choice now, but to try to not get hit in the face. And that was a thing. I've never experienced anything like that before. So and good right and so that would be a thing where it's like the 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 stakes are now high enough for you to fucking seek death right that's the whole thing that that's what it is it's simulated death it's simulated Mm -hmm. like there there is a fucking consequence here and so the beauty of this is right who has add now Mm -hmm. right yeah who 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 on this fucking planet right right and i'm gonna make an effort to 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 curse less anyways oh is is that a thing yeah well no i'm gonna curse i'm just gonna i want it to be more i want them to land better (laughs) i want it to be impactful yeah this is like a jab man well it's like in reservoir dogs it's like all right man we got it yeah it's like some of them have to be jabs and some of them gotta be (laughs) it's just a straight just one laying you out with this thing you know and i tell you just talking about that i can tell you a moment when i the most zeroed in I got was when I was going against Matt and I accidentally got the stick in between his mask and like got his eye. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to fucking die now. I was like, this is, I was like, that's it. Like you just punched your ticket, man. Like it's been a good ride. Like you have, yeah. this is coming and you better be ready for whatever's coming on the other side of this now that you just 
accidentally literally poked a bear. Yeah. Dude, it's it's good though, right? Like Yeah. Oh, it's I, amazing. I think I've seen it so often and I I've, I've noticed it in myself, but I've never had a way to articulate it. So I thought it was just just great, man. And it's also one of the things that I've constantly like searched for. Right. Like I talk about living the search all the time. And like one of those things in living the search is like that moment where everything stops mm-hmm. as a guy whose brain is always like just traveling. I'm 300 miles an hour, you know, 72 tabs, 32 of them have volume on like, like, like I am, I'm always just rifling through things, man. And so any activity that goes just like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm in love instantly. I'm like, yeah. ooh, ooh, you're a thing. Another, another firsthand experience was that was when we did the, when we did the powerlifting thing at Dope, you know, my whole, I mean, it, it went away pretty decent, but part of my thing with that was wondering how I was going to respond when I knew there were people watching me do this thing. Yeah. And I don't remember shit about anybody being there in those moments, like literally, like, I don't, I don't know, what were there, maybe like 20, 30 people or so, yeah. uh, but I don't remember shit. I remember standing there and I remember, especially squatting was the one squatting was the one that I was like, I I don't know why eyes on me doing that made me feel like in my brain, I was like, you need to perform. Like you're going to get fucked in your head knowing that people are watching you do this or, or, or whatever it is. But like the, the literal tunnel vision that happened in that moment of just being like, none of that matters except this right here was something that I remember very much. And cause I remember it being almost like, uh, God, what the hell movie? What uh, is that? What Will Ferrell movie is it? Where he like, where he is that old school? Where he's in like the, where he's in like the debate team thing, and he rattles off things. He's like, oh, what happened? I blacked out. Like that's what it was. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like I think that's old school. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. Like I was like there walking up to it, and then it just happened, and then all of a sudden I was just done. Like I don't even remember the. I don't remember it happening. I remember walking up. Uh, and I remember talking about that because I love that moment so much because that was the first time I've ever, you know, you talk about that, like, you talk about that ability, that ability to have that capability of violence, right, which is probably a whole nother conversation for another time. But a way that I felt so supremely, like, like, violent in that moment <laughs> of just being there ready to go, like when I was going for my third squad attempt, and just like as I'm getting ready, I think I told you that. Like I start to go, I start to just go, like weights on the bar, and I start to go. And Bonnie like grabbed the back of my belt and like revved me, like to to go. And I was like, oh, that's good. Like I've never felt that. I've never yeah. felt that type of just like yeah. like race car shit before. Yeah. And then just go, and then again, all of a sudden, it was just over. And I'm just like, uh, 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 like that. And then kind of all just kind of like comes back together. But that was, it's because of how much it mattered yeah. to me. To or be, it mattered in the moment. To be, yeah, to, it, it matters. There's a process. There's a way that things are happening. And I think that that's what it is. And, and I think that's why I'm always harping on the fact that I think you should, you should, as a person, and specifically men, right, need to compete in a thing, not on a regular basis or anything like that, but just you need to know. Yeah. Right? You should know that this is how you react under stress, under mm-hmm. whether it's, man, we can call it manufactured, but the reality is, is that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think it's important. And in, in reference to the violence thing, um, I won't go, we won't go into it like that, but what I'll say is like, my belief for the 
average man in 2023 who doesn't get to portray violence on any way, shape, or form is, I think, Deadlift is the most unhinged, raw, primal thing you can do that's not going to be looked at like a weirdo. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, it's the one time where it's just like, I mean, mean, dude, like, again, Summer Strong, check the video. Check the video. Look at those faces. Mm -hmm. Either pre or post deadlift. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell me that there's not something in there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and I'll say this, not that I, not that I don't think you were specifically doing this way, but I would say some of the places, honestly, that I saw that the most there was actually in the women when they were deadlifting. Oh, a hundred percent. It was just, it was just pure, just like fucking unchained, just ripping shit. And so, so that was something that I was like, oh, that's just pure, just like, brrr, just like it's, ha- this is happening. Well, dude, like on a, on a same, same, but different again, is like, I think the ability to, 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 to be a light switch and not a dial is super. Mm, mm. Ooh, that's fun. And so people who compete and they compete on a regular basis, start to figure out like how to flip the switch instead of just go. Yeah. Like it's it's nope it's time it's go time. And what so oh good no go ahead. Well, I was gonna say is what you realize too because I was talking about this recently as well. The fun thing that happens after you do that right because now my my training right now is a little bit different. I'm 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 eating less. I'm in the middle of a cut. I'm right now probably about twelve pounds lighter than I was when we did that. Like lifts and stuff are still feeling pretty strong right now, but you know that's there's some variables there. But here's the fun part is yeah flag on a play we're not going to just overlook this shit not just 12 pounds lighter 12 pounds lighter for for what 12 pounds lighter than you've ever been oh ever been oh ever oh yeah since oh sorry yeah probably since like sophomore in college yeah at, at a minimum at a minimum yeah check yeah oh yeah sorry got it now yes yeah yeah yeah. that's very true and whenever the last time i weighed 188 pounds was it was a very different version of 188 pounds it was like it was not the same makeup of 188 pounds yeah yeah and you know the thing though that 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 moment unlocked of doing that competition was now i'm like oh i can replicate that again if i want to like i can like now i know now i've seen i've seen you know like we say there's no magic there's no magic. I know how I ate. I know how I trained to get ready for that moment. And it's a really wild thing to have that sense of control now of just being like, Oh, I can just manipulate this however I want. Yeah, I've got the, I've got the discipline. I've got the, whatever you want to call it to now to just switch it, yeah. to just switch it, to just be like, Hey, you know what? And I'm, you know, I was actually I was talking to Ricky who still does my nutrition stuff today, but a little bit about it. And I was being like, yeah, I've, I don't know. I'm kind of at a little bit of urge because Summer Strong kind of fucking did that a little bit. I was I saw that there and I was like, Ugh. like I kind of maybe want to do that again. It's on my goal list. Yeah, and I'm, so well, I, you know, we talked about next year training specifically with the idea of deadlifting there. Yeah, hundred. Because you had talked to me about it, and then I thought I was it, it was mildly in my brain, and then the buy <laughs> the buy in for the competition was about what I think maybe my current PR was, and I was like, eh. We'll just like not nothing, whatever, but like we'll we'll do this. This will be a phase two thing yeah. of this here. But yeah, but if you're but it's but it's a it's a fascinating thing to just look at to look at a thing you did 
And now instead of just seeing it as a thing you did, seeing it as, oh, I now have a map. Yeah. Like if I want to go back, if I want to go back there, I now know the route. It's confidence. Yeah. It is the ultimate form of confidence in my opinion. Right. right? Like you, you did a thing. And not only did you do a thing, right? Like there's a multiple ways and conf- whatever. Um, but you did a thing to you. Right. Right. Like it, it, it's like, I can't draw. I cannot do art. I can't do art. I don't. The shirts are usually some sort of sketchwork, PowerPoint, cut and paste, amalgamation, and rulers. I've used lots of rulers and cups. <laughs> a lot of clip art. The, a lot of, cups. Yeah, a lot of cups. Right here. Yeah. This, this right here is the bottom of that water bottle. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And so a lot of that, and then I give it to a real artist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I can do is turn myself into a small piece of art. Yeah. And, and Which I you just that, did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. 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 And, and once you do that, I think that's like, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. What, what yeah. your brain, what your brain does with that. Mm-hmm. You know? um, yeah. And, and so, so let's, let's, let's talk about that in terms of let, two things. Let's talk about that in terms of that process of turning yourself into art for a bodybuilding show. Mm-hmm. And also I'm curious to hear your, the difference. So we're talking about energy and we're talking about what something like summer strong is like in, in, in energy, mm-hmm. what's energy, what's, what's energy like at a bodybuilding competition? Wow. Um, very different. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> my belief, um, <laughs> so my belief with listening to bodybuilders talk now, um, very interesting. So like <laughs> we're getting ready to get on stage for the second time, I think. And well, guys talking and he's like, man, we were out there battling. And I was just like, what are we talking about? Like we were bad, like we were, like, I didn't know we were bad. Like that's a thing. And so for me, because bodybuilding does not feel like a competition to me and maybe it's my mindset is so in the bag about what I want to do for me. Like, don't get me wrong. It's me. I want to win at everything I fucking do, but I'm, I am so focused on, did I reach the, the vision that I had in here? Did it get displayed out here? Mm-hmm that I didn't register it as a competition and it feels very much like a performance. It feels very much like I'm getting ready to get on stage to perform a song or mm-hmm. you're ready to do a public speaking event. Like, cause yes, yeah, I've done a couple public speaking events now. Like it feels very yeah, much they're, like they're breakdance fighting. It's gonna, yeah. I mean, on some level, on some level, yeah. like, right. So I think, I get how it's competitive to people, but it's just not the version of comp- competitive that I know to be true, mm-hmm. right? Well, um, talking about stakes, right? Stakes are different once arbitrary judging comes into play. Well, I think so, or it could be. For some people, it's not. Some people, mm-hmm. they are so, and that's why I said, like, for me, I knew when I got on stage, I was like, or even before I got on stage, I was like, this like we're so close to the vision that we have in our head that we're good 
Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't perfect. I don't know that they ever will be, but like I was every time it's like I'm getting closer to that vision of what I wanted to look like. Not what I wanted to look like versus him or her or whatever, but just like if I, again, if I could draw and I could draw what I want me to look like, how close are we to that vision? Mm. It's, it's getting, it's getting there. And so I think because that's my view, it's very much like, it doesn't feel like a competition. Now I will say there are some things that if I ever compete again or whatever else I want to do. And that's because again, like if you're going to go to the thing and do the thing, be the thing. Right. So I want to full routine posing. Like I did the posing classes uh, this time, but I mean, I want to go full bore. I didn't do a good job on that. I want to do a way better job. Um, I did a better job than I did the first time, but I mm-hmm. still want to go like full art, bodybuilding art nerd, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that is left undone. Um, and as far as the process is concerned, man, like 151 days, January 1st to June 10th. And I hate to say it, like it's no magic. We already know that, but like, Consistency. You were with me at Summer Strong. Mm-hmm. You were with me. At I was Winter with you a couple times during yeah, this. You were so with I, I saw Arnold, yeah. Winter right. Strong, Summer Strong. Fuck the retreat, the Mendrick, the yeah. reset retreat. Yeah. Packed food. Right. You know, pre uh, uh, core powers. Right. You know, I got um, to see you walk up and down the aisles of gas stations like a pervert. Yeah. And just look at just eyeballing. <laughs> Fruit just being a voyeur at the yeah. gas station. His fruit snacks just laughing at me. <laughs> but I did have my Red Bull. Right. Um, but yeah, like flat fast breaks laughed at me too. Um, <laughs> Taunting you. Tons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, man, like, you know, it's, it, it's just consistency and planning. And I think the biggest part is like, um, it's funny, like I actually talked to Tyler Minton this weekend. And, and so when I was talking to Tyler at Convergence, one of the things that um, I was telling him that I've recognized is like, I read the book, The Psychology of Money. Right. And in it, the guy basically just talks about like how, how your relationship with money is revolving around psychology, how you were raised, how you were, how you saw money being handled around you and everything else so like this is why depression babies um probably save all their money and shove it into mattresses my dad's uh, my dad's grew up in 19 he was born 1944 there's a reason why the guy has fucking cash on him all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right not a lot of cash but he has cash because that's what you do my grandma used to have just 20 dollar bills just stashed around the house exactly her. right yeah. i i've been an international traveler there's a reason why why i carry cash american dollars right when you travel internationally you realize real quick they can tell you what they want about fucking the american dollar not being strong but when you're in a fucking foreign country and you got five one five twenties on you mm-hmm. you can get a lot done mm-hmm. <laughs> you get a lot some done. fast breaks yo man you know where i can get fast breaks you know, around get, you know, <laughs> fast breaks dog uh-huh. but um I told him, I was like, you can apply that same theory to your, to food, Mm. right. And diet and everything else, because 
the more I kind of dive into like my own psychology with food and, and everything else, it's like, oh, and, and it's not like it's special, but like planning, like planning, 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 planning. And it's just planning even for the failure to plan. Meaning like the day I wake up on a Monday morning and I didn't meal prep because I was being an asshole or whatever I, well, else it is, what's my plan? I go to Wegmans, I go to some grocery store that has clean, cheap, not even cheap, but just clean, not overly seasoned chicken breast, salmon, rotisserie chicken, boom. I buy rice, um, jasmine rice minute cups, and we're out. When I go to the gas station, I have a plan. Because if I don't, you know me in gas stations. Like, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fucking hellish place for me because I like yeah. snacks. Yeah, the completely yeah. reasonable tour gas station budget is high. Yeah, it's high, very high. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a high. The, the producers have. You have a problem with that? How much we spend on gas station side? Yeah, exactly. It's because we're gonna get a Red Bull. If we're left unchecked, we're getting some fucking fruit snacks and a fast break, mm-hmm. and that's not even counting whether they have like gas station food in there, like yeah. real food, like <laughs> real gas station food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chicken rollers on deck. Well, dude, Hawaii has musubis, man. And what if is that? You, oh, spam. Okay. On a, on on sticky rice like a sushi, with seaweed wrapped around it. Oh. And they have teriyaki and all the oh. different flavors, and they're so delicious. And they're just little bite-sized pieces of heaven. With sometimes they have eggs on them, and if you're like. And so it's like basically like construction worker food, right? Like, uh-huh. dog, you're on your way to the site. You got to get you snatch yeah. up a couple of those. So in Ohio, in Ohio at a speedway, that's like pizza. Yeah, it's like ready to go gas station pizza, dudes. I'll stop for gas at seven thirty in the morning, and dudes are getting like three hot and ready slices. Wow, at the door. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, or here around the corner, this gas station around the corner for me serves fucking tacos and fried chicken. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that, sir? Right. Why? And it's delicious. I'm not gonna lie. It's delicious, so I don't go there. I go. I go around the corner to the other gas station because I know the me. Non taco gas station. Yeah, because I know me. If I go there and it's the wrong day, I'm gonna buy the whole place out. Right. But no. But that. I mean, honestly, man, it really is just like it's been. It's been planning. It's been whatever else. And uh, as far as consistency, I think the consistency part is a big deal. But I think the, to, to peel it back, right, to normal humans who aren't trying to get on stage in their underwear, it's like you don't have to be the Tupperware kid and show up to fucking Winter Strong, Summer Strong, and the Arnold with, mm-hmm. with prepackaged food. But to be able to navigate the waters of, like, grocery stores, restaurants, and your homie's house, mm-hmm. right? Because the other thing I was I was kind of telling Tyler was, like, the way I look at nutrition is like, do I, I look at it like a budget? Like, do I really want to spend money on shitty stuff? Yep. Or do I want to spend money on like a delicious thing? Like truly delicious, not saying Taco Bell doesn't have its place in life. Sure. But I would rather go to that one sketchy taco truck in, in the neighborhood you're not supposed to be in with meat that I can't pronounce than I would ever go to Taco Bell. Right. Right. I would rather skip Red Baron Pizza than to go to like around in the DC area. There's a place called Pupatella's. That's the best pizza joint in DC, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Mm-hmm. I'll pay you for it. 
at me, slide my DMs. <laughs> at me. Yeah. Link, link, in, link in the comments. Yeah, link in the bio if you want to fight me. If you want to fight me over local pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, that same thing. Say, you know, we've, we've been doing a, a fair amount of just kind of on-the-go stuff this summer so far. And that's the, way I, that's the way I always look at it when I'm going. And honestly, I didn't, in terms of navigating food, I do my damnedest to not not eat out out of my house. Wait, not eat out when I'm just home and it's a regular Tuesday, unless there's a reason for it. I don't know what that means. So that means like in terms, unless we're someone's in town, we're doing something or whatever that is. It's unless it's an occasion. Moments and experiences. Moments and experiences. Yeah, we're all going to go out to dinner. Fuck yeah, let's go out to dinner. I'm not going to sit there and just be whatever. Like this is, this is for this moment, but there's not like, that's not a part of my life anymore where it's just like a Wednesday and it's like, let's go to Applebee's. Like we don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would want, like, And that's one of those ones for me. It's like, I'm not going to Apple. Like if we're going out, we're going out. Right. So let's right. do it. Like, right. Like, I'm not going to Applebee's homie. Yep. If we're that's going right. out and if we are going out and it's like, not the like 12th version of going out, like the, the 12th mm-hmm. degree, then it's like, I'm still not going, like, I'm not going to Wendy's. I'm going to five guys right. you know, yep. or whatever yeah. your thing is. Like, I just, I just, if I'm going to, if I'm going to spend this calorie dollar, yeah, I'm going to spend this calorie dollar on some shit. That's like, you know, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the other thing that I learned, man, from this process, because I have kind of had a, I don't want to say beef with bodybuilding, but I couldn't figure out why bodybuilding wasn't, filling my cup for lack of a better term and it's a me problem i was looking for bodybuilding to do what other activities have done in the past meaning like i and this will transition nicely i missed and have wanted the feeling of this this is hard this sucks and i might not make it or i might quit and I never felt that during bodybuilding. I'm not saying like I didn't have times where I was like, maybe I won't make this weight. But it's never like a, oh shit, like I'm going to quit because this is just terrible, mm-hmm. terrifying. Well, and, and with that too, even with making weight, right? There's, if let's say you had gotten close and you were way, you were way off in making weight in the way you had been going about doing it, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call them tricks but you know, ways to make weight if you had to, to make weight. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, there's, so there's no, there's very, and I'm just repeating what you said, but there was very little risk of not succeeding at the goal of hitting this thing. Yeah. Now, it, that doesn't diminish. It doesn't diminish the fucking work the no. effort at all. You are just skilled in that area of managing this, of working it, of, of discipline, whatever we want to call it, that the, Annie, my coach Annie, has put together a plan where I know I'll say six to four weeks out if we're going to be okay, right? And I think that's all strength coaches, all fucking whatever. It's like at week six to week four, you're like, okay, right? Like fucking canine ears, like yeah, <laughs> maybe some shit's going wrong, you know. But for the most part, it's like you know what's going on, man. And, and it's then it just becomes a problem or a not even a problem a, a 
a deduction in do I do I and can I do the right things that are going to set me up for this weight cut or water cut the right way. Um, but all that is I, it's process, man. Like it's well, I the- remember having that. I remember having that like two weeks out from the powerlifting meet when it was it was a bent it was a bench day like two or three weeks out and it was like a ninety. 92 or maybe like 94% bench, which equated out to like 290 or something like that. And that went real smooth. And I was like, Oh, we're going to be all right. Yeah. But I had to feel that I had to feel, I had to feel what that felt like. And it wasn't the day before. It wasn't a couple of days before it was enough far out where it was like, Oh, the odds, the odds of me hitting what I want on this just in my mind significantly went up. Yeah, because of what this is this far out, not even so. So it makes that last two, three weeks, whatever it is, that's going back to what we talked about with confidence. That's just another in view of confidence in that moment of just being like, oh, we're on track. Yeah, for the thing. Yeah. So with that being said and talking about the feeling of wanting to quit and have this like, you know, and, and tying it into Michael Easter's Masogi and everything else. Um, let's talk about a thing. Mm-hmm. You and I have a date to walk from Washington, D.C. to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Oh, Fort Liberty, North Carolina, in the spring of 2024. And the first time you told me that? I first looked up Fort Bragg and Google Maps told me it was 300 miles. And I was like, oh, he must mean something else. And then I looked up Fort Liberty and it was the same address. And I was like, oh, no, I guess that's it. That's that's the one. It's just they just changed the name. Yeah, I. um, And so, I mean, this is all born out of the fact that I was like, I, I thought about all the things that I've done over the past three or four or five years and how hard they've been. And I'm not saying that they weren't hard. I'm not saying, I'm not taking anything away from them, but I haven't had the two specific phrases enter my brain, which is I'm gonna quit or I might not make it. I've had, I wish this was over, specifically during 50 for the Fallen. I remember being so sleepy. Like, I think Chad thought I was like dying. I thought Chad thought I was like fucked up physically. And I was like, I'm not fucked up physically, dog. I can't stay awake. Uh Right. And then, um, and so then I started thinking about this and I'm thinking about what I've watched Bo go through and some of the other people and other Masogis. And then the one thing that I finally kind of came to is like, in order to get that feeling, like, what are the, what are the variables? And I was like, it either has to be weather or multi-day. This has both. Mm-hmm. Like we're mm-hmm. probably going to get pissed on. Mother Nature's probably going to piss on us. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be multiple days because it's a minimum of 30 miles a day-ish. And that leaves us, that's about eight hours on the road, mm-hmm. which leaves us a significant chunk of change to recover. And so I, I think this is the thing, man. And I would like to raise some money. We have some stuff in the works to try and make sure that that happens. We've got a couple months to uh, train and get ready and um, everything else. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this so far? When you first, when, you know, the, the, the calculus in my brain of it was interesting 
because when you first told me about it, my initial reaction was like, I'm not not into this. I just don't know if I could do it. Nothing other than from an angle of just like physically doing it, not even from an angle of like quitting, which maybe those are same, same. But my first reaction was, I just, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if what will happen with my feet or with my all these things. And then as we start, and then of course it comes down to the thing of like, once you process through that, it's like, oh, that's the point. Like it, it takes a minute to, to, when you talk about these things or when you talk about something that's like a Masogi or an idea like this, something comes up and, and the initial reaction is like, I don't know if I can do that. And then you're, the, the point is, oh, good then. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. Yeah. That's the idea of it. Um, the idea is exactly that. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I've, been, I've been fairly confident in like most of the things we talk about when people are like, hey, do you think you can do that? And I'm usually like, even if I don't say it, I'm like, Ooh, I got it. Well, I love I love to. I think it's important to share. So the question I asked you when we were first talking about it was like. I, I, I forget how I phrased it was something like, what if it was like, what if there was 300 later? And we started with like doing something that was like 150 or 200 and your explanation of just like, no, it's kind of a one-time suck experience was perfect. Like that's the thing that made it be like, okay, I get it. Because like that 150, 200, I have no, I don't know why I have no frame of reference, but to me, that's like, I can, I can do that. Yeah. Um, I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. And then it's, it's a one-timer. So the idea about like, eh, if you do 200, it's that Matt was talking about it with the bike ride. It's like he no longer feels compelled to see how far he can ride a bicycle. Like it's, you've now that's you, exactly you, it. Yeah, you've done that once. Yeah. Um, and it's, so it's just it's just firing all cannons for for that experience. And it's and it's exactly the thing, man. Like um, the Misogi, like part of the definition is like, you know, or part of the ideal idea of the Misogi is that do you have that feeling? Do you, do you come up against that feeling of I might quit or I can't make this? Yeah. And as much as I've had these different adventures so far and all these different experiences, I haven't felt that yet. Exactly. So I felt, you know, felt in probably 15 years. Right. The, the Berryman hike, the first time there was a point of just like, this is like you said, I don't want to do this anymore. Didn't have that the second time. I mean, there was a point where I was like, I'm, I'm good, but it wasn't like I, it was, a that was best. So that was an interesting thing comparing that, doing that the first year and then doing that again this year when I got done. And I was actually just talking to my kids about this yesterday because I forget how it came up. But when getting done with that the first time last year, the 27 miles in one day, there was a point after that, the first time that was just like, whoa, that was crazy. But this time, the second time doing it, it was like, yeah, like that's, we did that again. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that's, that's an interesting kind of carrot to chase. Yeah. So I'm here for it, dude. I'm, right. I'm, I'm stoked. Here's here's the last thing. And we'll, we'll, we'll land this plane. There's an idea that I want to throw on you, throw on myself, uh, throw on everybody listening. So journal about it. Think about it. Fucking talk out loud to your friends about it. Um, the idea is, and I'll read it like I wrote it in my journal. If I was put on trial today for what I say that I am, would I be convicted? Ooh, ooh, ooh. All right. So if you say you're, you're a thing 
and you were put on trial today, would all the evidence, would all the things come along and say, come back and be like, you've now been convicted of being exactly what you say you are? Oh, that's fun. Because my brain thinks like movies. I think of the people that would come up and testify. That would be called as witnesses. Exactly. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. All right. All right, man. All right. That's a good one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sit on that. Remain unreasonable. Be excellent. Later.